Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm senior editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm reviews editor Sherlyn Lowe. And today, it's all about Samsung's Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. We'll be talking about Sherlyn's in-depth impressions of that phone, and also diving a bit into Fortnite and Apple, well, not Fortnite, Epic and Apple's uh, billion-dollar war, Mm. their little slap fight over the App Store, which, uh, not so great for consumers, but it's a, it's a long story. Let's put it that way. We'll also be diving in a bit into uh, Facebook news, uh, Facebook forcing Oculus users to use Facebook for logins, how they're competing with TikTok or failing to compete with TikTok. I think that's the better way to phrase it. Yep. And as always, our pop culture picks and uh, a whole bunch of stuff. If you've been enjoying the Engadget podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, and actually, no matter where you get your podcast from, leave us a review on iTunes. That's super helpful. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, you can shoot us a note at podcast at Engadget.com. And if you're around Thursday mornings, you can join us live typically around 10 a.m. Eastern as we record the show. And you'll be able to participate and watch us as we you know, make the sausage. But you can also ask questions and it's a fun, interactive experience. And really, what else are you going to do on a Thursday morning? Except work? No, no work. The work <laughs> does not exist. So let's talk about the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. And let me just say, I hate, <laughs> hate Samsung's model names That's so a much. Mouthful. It's Such not even mouthful. the only Note 20, right? It's There's another not, Note 20? There is the baby, the regular Note 20. The baby Note 20, which is also a big, big phone. God. Calling it a baby is almost, yeah, it's a, a misnomer. It's a big but boy, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an adolescent boy. It's a... <laughs> so Chris Velasco, our mobile editor, reviewed this phone, Trillin, but you also have it. Yes. And I guess you've just been playing with it. So <laughs> what, yes. are, what are your thoughts? So, so yeah, so Chris Velasco, whom we shall call V from now on, V's review went up on Tuesday <laughs> on the site. Um, and, you know, that's because it's also more or less for sale now-ish. You could pre-order before. Overall, I agree with V on this. He mm-hmm. His main takeaway is that this is a good phone, but it costs way too much. 
Um, and I fully agree. Good I mean, takeaway for a lot yeah. of phones. Yeah. Thirteen hundred dollars. Uh, that's so close to the price of a Surface Duo, which is basically two devices in one. But it does mm-hmm. have high end specs, right? The these cameras are great. The build is so much better than the S twenty Ultra, which was from February, and it was like so the Samsung's... normal the normal S twenty no, no, no. Ultra. The the well the ga- yeah the one from the Galaxy, February S- the Galaxy okay. the one without the stylus. I hate shall these we say names. That? I know I hate these names. Okay. For a person who doesn't study Samsung the way me and V do, it can be very confusing. Like we know we can. Hey guys, I know tech. I do this for a living, and I know I'm over here looking like I imagine what a normal consumer thinks when they're walking to a store or something like. (laughs) This is what I was saying: Samsung, 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 like too much crap. But okay, we we've said this before. Samsung does me too damn many phones but you almost need a degree in samsung to know all of their you don't want device that. you don't want that degree you don't by professor yeah. bixby no you thank get, you oh, don't even bixby barely even features in any of the lineup this oh, year yeah. so bixby's been canceled something. so long bixby um the note 20 ultra it's basically a lot of the site's reviews came out on um tuesday that all mostly agree, right? This is a mm-hmm. refinement on the S20 Ultra. The screen is gorgeous. The build just feels better. For me, when I hold it, even though it's basically the same weight as the S20 Ultra, I just feel like the Note 20 Ultra is so much easier to maneuver. Like, mm-hmm. I can is hold it Is it a bigger screen? Because the S20 Ultra is also very big. Yeah, it's a slightly bigger screen. If I'm not wrong, the exact dimensions are kind of escaping okay. me right now. But the Note 20 Ultra has a 6.9 inch screen, which I believe Samsung has said is the largest in the Galaxy or Galaxy mm-hmm. Note so far. Um, but it's also got 120 hertz refresh rate. And that's the same as the S20 Ultra, but somehow just it feels really much better, I think, on the Note 20 Ultra. I don't know what other refinements Samsung might have done, but it mm-hmm. does feel amazing. Um, I'm a stylus girl. But I'm with a lot of people who have tweeted at me who are like, yeah, but I feel like the excitement over the initial excitement over having an S Pen will blow over over some time. And they're right. Unless you are frequently taking notes by hand on this phone or you're, you know, a fan of navigating or you're using it as a remote control, which you can, you (laughs) won't really use the stylus that much. Unless you're already an invested Note 20 user, the stylus Mm -hmm. is not going to make a huge difference. And and just to be clear, like the stylus was always the the thing about Note phones. Like from the beginning, like when Samsung started making these like nearly 10 years ago and basically like created the phablet I don't know, category. a category, like, and it, I hated calling it that. They were big <laughs> and unwieldy, but hey, you had a stylus and you could do more with your phone than you could with a normal smartphone. I do feel like, do you feel like, Sherlyn, that do we need the stylus anymore? I, I feel like touch typing is better. I, there's so many other ways to input into your phone rather than, you know, taking out a little I, stick and drawing. I know, I see your point. There's a lot of people who are power users that aren't stylus users. And for those people, maybe (laughs) they don't need the stylus. For me, I still find it handy occasionally when like I want to trigger or uh the camera from afar and stuff like that but and there i can't discount the fact that there are people who still use the s pen um me i mean also if you don't want the s pen you're looking at an s20 like that's the main yeah, thing that yeah. differentiates the note line from the s line is the s pen so like eh, it still has reason yeah. to exist i don't think samsung should stop making these is the hardware actually better than the s20 line because so... i'm always confused by how this is basically like a half year upgrade from yeah. Samsung and they do this every year. So when yes. somebody's waiting for a new Samsung phone, it's like, 
do you get the S line or do you wait six months or so and get the note line and you never quite know what is going to yeah. be right for you? Yeah. It's slightly better. I will okay. say first, I mean, just pure hardware wise, the uh, chipset is the Snapdragon 865 Plus on the Note 20 Ultra and then the Snapdragon, uh, the S20 Ultra is the Snapdragon 865 without the Plus. So okay. slight performance differences, like 20% faster, 15% better graphics rendering and then full suite of Snapdragon Elite gaming tools, that sort of stuff but you're also looking at i mean samsung when they did the s20 ultra caught a lot of flack for Uh the autofocus issues in the s20 ultra right they did as 100 times zoom but then their autofocus was just so bad it would either not latch on at all or it would take forever to find focus that's been fully tweaked for the note 20 ultra and actually it's very fast like i've noticed the autofocus on this note 20 ultra's camera is impressive it's i mean it's not like wow, guns blazing really good, but it's much better than the S20 Ultra. And I think because I can notice when it shifts focus that I can tell Mm -hmm. that focus is faster. I think most phones, you don't even realize that they focus that quickly, right? Did they ever fix that issue with the S20? Because that feels like a software fix. They did. They did issue, but it it took forever for them to say when it was coming, rolling out. And it took Mm -hmm. forever for them to really address it, like at least a few months. But the Note 20, because it's baked in, it just somehow feels a lot better and it was more baked in. Um, Gotcha. But yeah, I would say that in general, we've we've beat this dead horse till it's <laughs> even more dead. But first gen, I mean, this isn't even isn't even a first gen thing. But it, this was like first gen the with a gen new 12? camera setup. What are we at? What what was last year's the Note Eleven? I forgot. No, no, last year was the Note, Note 10. Ten. I know. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyhow, um, it was Samsung. Learn how to name things. Numbers matter. Sequences matter. Okay, come on. Yeah, the S twenty was sort of the first. It's always the first canvas for them to like, oh, frequently first time for them to launch new things. And then the Note 20 iterates. Although sometimes they do things like the variable aperture thing on the Note first and then it comes to the S that follows after. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Samsung, like you've been saying this whole episode, is a little confusing with its product lines, but it's I kind of wish the S line, the Note lines came out together and there was no like big S, just like the Note is the big one. Which it, what it, it's what it used to be, and the S is like the normal person size I think, one. And yeah, be a little clear. You know, I think you're asking for them to shrink their product line, yeah, yeah. which is fine. They I make mean, a ton of mo- they make a ton of money. People buy all these things, so whatever. My, Not a multi billion dollar phone company. Yeah, you know. yeah. Another and one final note that I want to leave everyone with is that we have you know people around the world have different variants of the Note 20 Ultra, and this is one of the biggest complaints mm-hmm. I've seen from people on Twitter is that there's an Exynos version that seems to be available in just As Europe, always. India, yeah. and some other part. And then the U.S. market gets the Snapdragon 865. They've always model. done this, by the way, like they since, have always since the done first this. generation Galaxy phone. So, yeah. yeah, and there was a period of time they were trying to ditch Snapdragon altogether, which is quite funny. But anyway, um, <laughs> and there is a not just a performance delta. I think, I think the best way to say it is an experience delta. Like, there's a difference. The Exynos doesn't only, like, last shorter or, you know... Um, run hotter it just overall doesn't feel as fast if i'm not wrong um this is based on feedback people have given me i haven't played with the next nose version myself okay but uh you know battery life is shorter it runs very hot is what i've been told as well i mean it's just not fun overall (laughs) samsung isn't the best chipset maker just yet and it's unfair, I think, for a lot of people around the world to pay the same amount of money and get a worse experience. Suck. It's like getting, it's like buying the same car, but getting a significantly worse engine, you know, depending on if you live in North America or Europe or something. Uh, we have a question from our chat room. Thank you for yeah. joining us live, Keith. 
Uh, he's asking, isn't the 8K shooting just hype? So 8K I... shooting on a <laughs> tiny phone? Okay, go, go. I tried the 8K shooting out a bit yeah. more in-depth on the S20 Ultra. And I wouldn't say it's hype. It, it is that high resolution because it has that 108 <laughs> megapixel sensor, main sensor. Right. It's able to shoot that sharp. But the issue is, A, I mean, there's like, it struggles with very, it's, it's first of all, yeah. Where are you going to play this back on to see where it in full gonna... 8K glory? This is where I get full crazy mode with Samsung. Like, what? 8K? This is <laughs> a nice like thing three, to put on the box. There's three 8K TV- TVs in the world. There are three 8K TVs. You can't even get the file to the TV. Good luck right. storing the file on your phone. Good luck so, uploading it. Ah. You're reduced to looking at this video then on either a 4K <laughs> monitor if you have one or uh-huh. a the 2K screen of this phone. And like sure. when you downscale an 8K v- video down to a 2K screen, you're going to get artifacts. You're just going to see like running <laughs> ants, you know, the, yeah, the Mario yeah, effect yeah. that you see. So it's not that it's bad. It's just that we haven't found the, the best canvas for it just yet. 8K is bad. No, I, I think you can say 8K bad. 8K I'm, bad what I meant right was now. Not that, what I meant was that it's not just hype. That like it's not fake you know what i mean like it is shooting at that high res but it's bad in terms of like execution <laughs> we're not able to play it just yet and yeah. i fully agree with you that the you, you can waste all your battery life and storage space on this thing but you it's can't do anything with space. it uh, some i of the call footage... that i call that fake to me i, I say okay, that it's just useless but okay you know dev and i agree on that i just want to mm-hmm. point out that yes it is it exists and you can use it. And the, the one other feature that they enable with this yeah. 8K shooting thing is that, like, their video editor, I have to give Samsung props. Like, Samsung's gallery app has a built-in video editor that is pretty good. It makes it take, it's taking screenshots from your clips easier than almost any other video uh, gallery app I've tried. And, yeah, you just tap a button, you get a screenshot. And you get, like, a higher-res screenshot than you would with, like, a 4K or a 2K clip, which <laughs> sure. is, like, duh. But sure. that's the one useful thing I found about it so far, where, like, if you want to capture something in motion and you don't want to, like, be snapping stills, just grab a video, you grab an in, in 8K, I guess, and then you grab the screenshots afterwards, you get better stills. Yeah, but, if your phone is still running, if you still have any storage space Right, left, and that's yeah, very niche, do- <laughs> too. And, yeah, you do – you will run out of storage so quickly, just so. say no to 8K, kids. It is, it's dangerous. It's Even dangerous 4K stuff. Is, yeah. Even 4K yeah. on a phone, I, I can see doing 4K because then you're like a little, a little future proofing. Like right now, when I shoot videos of my daughter on my iPhone, like it's always 4K because okay. I want future TVs to be able to run it and I have enough storage space to, like it's manageable. You could do something with it. Um, guys, I've seen most of the 8K <laughs> sets that are being sold. They look great. They cost tens of thousands of dollars they cost they more are, than 8k let's just they're say they're not a thing yeah they cost more than 8k but they're not a thing you'd actually <laughs> want to buy there's no content for it forget about 8k yeah. like this is a point where i try to tell people like just use your common sense as consumers okay like we just got over the 4k hump we yep. have more tvs and devices that can play that now and even that is not it's not a super noticeable bump over 1080p on smaller screens so like i think even yeah. on phones a 4k display isn't super Estimate. helpful but hey yeah. It is a nice thing. It's nice that you can shoot 4K. Um, 4K is the way. 8K, no way. (laughs) 8K, no. I don't know. Rhyming. No to 8K. Don't spend 8K for 8K. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll figure some kind of saying out. But anyway, (laughs) 
that's that's one part of the Note 20 Ultra that, you know, we might not have gotten as deep into in the review, but, you know, I'm glad we were able to talk about it here. There, mm-hmm. I mean, overall, I mean, the battery life on the Note 20 Ultra is pretty good, except for, to be clear, I was never on 5G. And this is a 5G phone, which is part of why it's so expensive. And, you know, just to reiterate, our main takeaway is this phone is way too goddamn expensive. And you're and paying really for it. things like 8K, which you may never actually use, and 5G... <laughs> which most people don't even have access to. And when you do have access, if you're sitting at home, you probably won't get much actual 5G reception unless you're really close to a repeater, right? Right. That's the thing is I've been mostly at home. And even when I've gone out to look for the nodes in my neighborhood, I haven't been able to connect. (laughs) And I don't know if that's implementation issues or the signal just not showing up or whatever. But 5G is still not there yet. This isn't the year to buy the 5G device. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All All the big numbers, all the big tech numbers, you're seeing 8K, 5G, just be wary. Like, come on. Use your... And hey, the Pixel 4a that you just reviewed, $350. And it is... The small numbers are worth A dang good phone. Yeah. <laughs> small numbers are better. There That's the way to go. go. Anything else? Any other major takeaways? How does this differ from the Galaxy Note 10 to you? Uh, the cameras are like the main difference, I think. Mm-hmm. The screen is pretty good. I mean, the Note 10 itself... I mean, I'm having a hard time remembering really what were the highlights. <laughs> the, Listen, so last year was a decade ago. There's a lot yes. that happened between <laughs> last year and this year. Uh, I think, I mean, I, just to name off the spec upgrades that I can think of, yeah, the chip is different. The battery is therefore longer lasting. Uh, the S Pen's latency is improved apparently significantly in terms of pure numbers. But when it comes down to experience, V in his review said he didn't see a big difference. Me neither. I mean, it is... it. It never had a problem with it before. You can notice the improvement now, but it mm-hmm. doesn't like make that huge of a jump for me. Um, but then again, I'm not like a digital artist and that sort of thing. Um, the <laughs> if others... you're a digital artist, you probably you know get a get a nice like honestly even like a surface to carry around like will be better for you for drawing and doing different things and you know yeah. Yeah, Dev will tell you all about the Surface. I can tell you all about the Surface. You can um, buy you can buy a Pixel 4a and a and a whole Surface for probably less than the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. Yeah, yeah. without the keyboard for the Surface. Without the keyboard, if you're just drawing, yeah, sure. Sure. Anyway, um, the spec upgrades from the Note 10 to the Note 20 Ultra are just Note 20, not 10 Plus. Anyway, they switched the naming on us. God. I know, um, because the Note 10 was a baby that was like uh-huh. very low spec for the price. Same same situation with the Note 20 this year too, by the way, which we haven't even gotten into, and we're not going to get into. How do Samsung episode. executives name their children? Are you just like Sun One, Sun One Plus, Sun One Plus? No, no, no. And now it's Ultra. The Your daughter is twenty. My third child is daughter twenty, just because I want it. So okay, the light, the baby yeah. light. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, if you want full uh, impressions and all of the testing and all of the in-depth like specs and configuration information, the review is live on Engadget.com. You can take, check it out there. So let's move on to Epic Games and Apple's big fight. And what's actually happening here? Uh, let me tell you guys, August 13th was a pretty crazy day. When it came to news, because uh, what happened was in the morning, Epic added this update to Fortnite on on iPhones and Android that basically gave you another way to pay for your purchases. So your skins, your whatevers, uh, it was direct payment. And Mm. notably, that direct payment was cheaper than if you bought 
items through the Apple Store Ooh. or Google Play Store because Apple, you know, Epic is being Epic. very clear about what they're doing here. You're yeah, paying less if you pay us more. Like if you pay us directly, you'll you'll actually wow. get this stuff cheaper because Epic pays thirty percent of all their transactions to Apple, like most other developers. It, it was a straight up protest update, which is one of those weird things you see sometimes. They were like, they knew this was gonna go, this was gonna go bad. So mm-hmm. what happened after that? Apple, within a few hours, removed Fortnite from the App Store because the direct payment within the app violates App Store rules. And let me just say this: if this sounds crazy to you, you've probably never used like the Kindle app on iPhone or something. Uh, Amazon and a lot of other companies do this thing where you can access your content. You can access all your Kindle books, but you cannot buy Kindle books. That is so from weird to within me. Within the app. So you have to go to the web and do it. It's weird, but it's understandable because like they just don't want to give Apple a cut. And right. I think at this no. workaround is fine. Mm-hmm. Like it's fine because like you're not putting anything in the app to send people to the web. What Epic did was they put a direct button in the app showing you the price of direct payments versus iTunes payments. And that's a that's a no-no. So mm-hmm. Apple removed them uh, from the App Store. Google also ended up removing them from Google Play. And then uh, then things got weird. Then this like marketing campaign appeared where they tweeted out this video that is a riff on the Apple 1984 ad, the famous oh one directed by Ridley Scott. It shows a Fortnite character throwing a hammer through a window. And that's when my eyes just rolled back of my head. Like I just... I, I became dead because it was like, what is Epic saying? They've, we're now in a dystopian future where this $1 billion company is fighting for its independence Amazing. from a trillion dollar company. And hey, by the way, uh, just yesterday, Apple announced, or Apple didn't announce, but Apple's market cap reached $2 trillion for the first time. So it is the first $2 trillion company. This is, this is a fight, right? Billion dollar Epic pretty big studio they're not they're not like a small indie and big big apple fighting um this is wild so now now also on after that ad came out uh epic sued apple over its app store policies so this is like a weird concerted attempt they're basically they're basically kind of throwing all their players and consumers under the bus in a way because epic knew what was going to happen with the app like this is all purposeful the the ad was ready this was all part of a marketing campaign to force Apple to do something differently. And hey, we've talked about this before. Um, when we talked about the, um, you know, Tim Cook going to, was it the Senate, to talk about antitrust, part of the discussion was, is it um, anti-competitive for Apple to have such control over the App Store and also to be charging 30% uh, for transaction fees? And also, not everybody has to pay that fee. So Amazon... I think we've learned and a couple other companies have sweetheart deals where they don't pay as much to Apple. You're, if you're using the Amazon app to shop on, on iOS, you're, they're not giving as much up to Apple. They're not giving them a full 30%. So anyway, here we are. Apple <laughs> and Epic are fighting. And the weird thing is, I think it's a really, I wouldn't say it's noble because Epic knows what it's doing. This is a billion dollar company I, trying to save money. Yeah. But yeah, what do you think, Sherlyn? I like that they're trying to expose Apple. I think that what they're sure. doing by showing the actual difference in price is saying, hey, if you're paying through the app and through the you know Apple commission, the price is going to be, that's why we have to charge you more for things. I wonder if Epic maybe faced some pressure that some of its like in-app purchases were too expensive and this is probably why i don't know i mean i don't know the motivation behind (laughs) it 
I do agree with you that it's. I don't know that noble is a word I would use for it. I just think mm-hmm. that Epic might think that it's time for people to pay more attention to what goes on, so-called behind the scenes with the App Store. What with the congressional hearings having just taken place, like this timing is interesting. Like there's momentum there. People are more likely to be riled up by something like this than they were before, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I also like that in the in that ad that uh, we were talking about, where they had like a Fortnite character. Mm-hmm. Uh, take over the Mac ad. Um, the the line there's a line that Epic uses that says, "Join us in the fight to stop 2020 from becoming 1984." Shut and I was up! Like, Shut Whoa, up! 2020 just, is already 1984. I don't even. But do also, this. yeah, it's it's not just 1984. It is Brave New World. It is everything. It is yeah. the Hunger Games. It is the it's, climate it's, uh, change. Yeah. You know, horror story that we haven't yeah. yet written. It oh, is. Gosh. Yeah, it just to me like this idea of Epic getting so heated over App Store policies is kind of ridiculous given everything else we're facing today. But also, but also, I just want to point out smaller developers yeah. probably would appreciate having different ways to yes. pay Apple or different rates. Like oh, for sure. this is a more variable pricing model to charge developers could be great for smaller developers um, who can't just do this big, you know, protest or something. So in that respect, I do like that Epic and other people are talking about this. I just don't like the way they did it. It just seems yeah. really Really crummy. And let me just well, tell you guys what's at yeah. stake, by the way. Like, a number. The iOS version of Fortnite has raked in over $1.2 billion. For, billion. For, for Epic. For Fortnite. Yeah. And that's just the App Store version. You know, that's just the iOS version. But mm-hmm. go ahead, Sherlyn. What were you going to say? I was going to ask you, so what yeah. do you think is going to come out of the suit? They're, they're suing Apple. Are they mm-hmm. going to get, you know... And they're suing them in America, I'm guessing. Do you think they're going to find sympathy on the judges' site? I think on they, the jury side. Yeah, I don't. I don't quite know because Apple is, is also very good at hiring uh, representation that is able to fight back along, along you know, around these like, questions. Yeah. And to play devil's advocate here, I I'm trying to think of what excuse, so called, or what rationale Apple might give, and I think that it's going to be the same thing they said the whole time is to protect the like privacy and security of their platform of their payment systems or something like that. It makes their apps <laughs> more secure. Um, I wonder if that's the reasoning. I'm not sure. sure. Have we heard from Apple on this yet? I mean, it's mainly their, I think the main thing they're saying is that Epic is violating the policy that they initially agreed to. And that's true. They did. This is a protest. This is a protest. So Apple is within its rights to remove the app, remove Fortnite and do whatever they need to do for anybody who's violating it. Um, There is more of a discussion that needs to be made for, yeah. Is this fair? I, I, yeah, I think so. I just would. I'm, I'm excited to for them to get into court and like for pu- documents to be made public, so we can dig in and see like have there been negotiations beforehand where Epic yeah. was like, "Yo, if you don't let us charge a lower price in your yeah. near on our app, we're going to try to sue you." Like, did they give any forewarning to Apple before they just did this in their app? Right, you know right. what I mean? I'm pretty and listen. Like this, a lot of this has to have. They must have had some discussions because we know. Amazon has a sweetheart deal with Apple. We know some other companies do too. Yeah, it's very unfair for sure. It's unfair. I can see why people are are complaining. This is not the first time Epic has done this. Uh, Rather than play ball with Steam. Yeah, yeah, Epic. Rather than play ball with Steam on Windows, they actually launched their own game launcher, the Epic Games Launcher. Um, So they can have the store. And, you know, they were were saying they weren't going to take as much money from developers who worked with them compared to what you give up on Steam. So... You know, this is Epic Steel. It's what they do. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think there is a bigger question, right? Of course, Apple owns the App Store. They right. own everything. This is their platform. 
is there a point where your platform gets big enough where you can't just be out there dictating, you know, everybody pays high fees except for yeah. these certain partners? Is that anti-competitive? And I think given Apple's size, that is an argument that we can make. And this goes to what we were talking about during the antitrust episode. Our whole idea of thinking of companies and how they're anti-competitive or not really has to evolve and really has to change. Apple's always able to say, hey, we're not the biggest phone, you know, platform out there. Android's so much bigger. How can we be anti-competitive? But I think you can if you're like if you're big enough. Even oh no, even, also yeah, they hold all the size. control. Android's just like open source. Open there's AOSP and there's Android, and it's yeah. more of an ecosystem. Apple is just one Although, vertical. You still like Android stuff. You still have to pay when you put apps up on the Google Play Play Store. There yes. are workarounds for that, but and there remember are rules to stick to too. Yes. Yeah, they also Epic did the thing where they offered the Android version of a Fortnite as a side loading APK, so you had to like. You yes. know, install it manually right. rather than get it through the store. To and save it's easier some money. to sideload things on Android, by the way. I mean, you can, you actually can't because yeah. you can't you, you don't can't really do that anything. on iOS. Yeah. Um, so, hey, this is what Epic does. They're just trying to push rules and ultimately like save money for themselves. That's all it is. But I hope this stuff can eventually help smaller developers because this yes. is it's a big issue. And I, right I, now, I, like, I, developers I, need more cash. Yeah. I do wish that this had happened like before the congressional hearing so that we could have seen them grill Tim Cook on this particular issue. I'm surprised it didn't even come to light. They like, did not do like, much. Come to light. Yeah, they, they did, did very not. little. Anyway, Tim Cook got we away. Have, yeah, Tim Cook got away very easily. Uh, if you want to read more about this, uh, we have an op-ed video about this, I believe, by Jessica Condit uh, yeah, over in Gadget. Yeah, my favorite. Our fave. We love Jess. Um, but <laughs> Jess talks about what this means. So go check that out on YouTube. Check out her post. Um, this is going to be an ongoing story, but oh, I think yeah. it's really interesting that, man, these companies, like, I can imagine there was some marketing firm out there or Epic's team that was just like, wouldn't it be cool if we used Apple's <laughs> own 1984 ad against them? <laughs> so ridiculous. Cheeky, but cheeky. Cheeky, cheeky. Stay tuned. Okay. In other news about platforms overreaching and maybe abusing their power a little Facebook announced this week that they're going to be forcing Oculus users, don't forget Facebook owns Oculus, they're going to be forcing Oculus users to use Facebook accounts starting January 1st, 2023. And this is interesting because um, I, I know a lot of people probably haven't had hands-on time with Oculus headsets. They all require you to log in to an Oculus yep. account to use them. Um, and for the longest time since its inception, you it's always been a separate account. Like there is mm -hmm. some Facebook integration, but Oculus has always been its own thing. I've always appreciated that because I don't want to give up too much of my identity and data yes. to Facebook. Yeah. So yeah, for me as somebody who deals with Oculus stuff all the time, this really sucks. And this is what I was worried about when, when Facebook bought. bought yeah, Oculus in the first place. Like Oculus was this nice, cool, innovative little startup by a, CE by a CEO who seemed really uh, smart at the time and intriguing. Um, that's a longer story. But Oculus is still a really interesting company. And this kind of sucks because we don't know what this means for data. We don't know what this means for privacy, like what Facebook is going to be doing with this data. Um, I think a lot of people kind of held their nose and used Oculus products and just hoped it wouldn't get too Facebooky. And now, at least in a couple of years, you won't be able to avoid it. Uh, any thoughts, Sherlyn? I don't like it. I mean, for me, I'm like I said earlier in other episodes, I have been trying to limit the amount of 
Facebook apps that I have to use because it's inescapable. Facebook's already very hard to get away from. I've managed to get away from the entire social network, but I still have to use Instagram and WhatsApp (laughs) Uh or whatever. Thankfully, those are still not super connected yet, but I, at least on the WhatsApp end, uh, when I, I have not had as much experience with oculus as you have but i have tried it out and to me even creating an oculus account was very much like oh what a pain yeah, i don't want to yeah. have to do this but i felt like you said a little bit better that it was separate from my facebook stuff however i did have to sign into facebook to uh share some clips that i had sure. taken from within the headset the only way and... to share content from headsets is to send it to facebook recently exactly basically. which yeah. is which seems like a pretty flawed method, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's it feels like yeah. a way to force me to sign into my Facebook at that for point, sure. which for is sure. now what they're outrightly coming out and doing. So there's uh-huh. a motive here. There's something that Facebook is trying to do, whether it is to understand your habits better so they can serve you more ads, or or I don't I don't really know what other data they want to collect from my use of a VR headset, other than the fact that I'm very bad at Beat Saber. But well, actually, I'm very good. Um, but yeah, I, it, it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me feel like Facebook is trying to remind people that it owns these apps in some way, mm-hmm. like when they added their logo to Instagram and WhatsApp. To, on the it it is a sort of like Facebook Borg just slowly coming in and taking yeah. over the identity of the smaller things that they, they pick up. And hey, that's understandable. We don't actually know what this actually means. So we don't know if you're giving up more privacy or if you're giving up anything right, by logging exactly. in through Facebook rather than Oculus. We're still waiting on the new terms. This is all just kind of up in the air. Um For me, just as somebody who uses a lot of VR stuff, I just, I think it's crummy. It makes me want to take a much closer look at Steam VR and kind of stay there or Windows Mixed Reality. And the whole Windows Mixed Reality and Steam thing is so nice because they all interoperate. Microsoft is like, whatever, we'll build, we'll build VR into Windows, but you can use Steam headsets and vice versa. Like there's still a lot of work that needs to be done within VR hardware to kind of make everything cross compatible. But Oculus has always, yeah gonna be their own thing i'm just disappointed and let me just say like uh i see ben asking like who would you actually want to share your oculus clips with um hey it's actually really great because what they do is they take a video of one eye lens so every vr headset has two lenses that you're seeing it takes video from one lens it turns it into a normal like you know widescreen video and it pushes that out to your facebook so people can see like oh i'm going through google earth or something or i'm playing this game and you can get like a flat 2D version of what you're going through in VR. I found it really useful to share things like that. Um, you can also live stream. You can live stream from an Oculus Quest or <laughs> Oculus headset to it's show be so people. Giddy. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. And I think like that integration, hey, I would love to for them to open it up to Twitch and other platforms. But yeah. for now, through Facebook, it at least works. Uh, yeah. th- there's going to be a lot for us to talk about. So I'll keep an eye on this. Um, as somebody who likes Oculus, this is just pretty disappointing. And similarly, uh, Facebook <laughs> is trying its darndest to compete with TikTok. And this, I think, is more of a fail situation. We oh, didn't talk boy. about Instagram Reels last yeah. week when they launched, which is their straight-up TikTok competitor. But this week, there was also news that Facebook um, added this weird thing. Uh, they added suggested posts at the bottom of your Instagram feed. And those are going to be ads those are going to be you know algorithmically chosen posts for you to go through and like basically they're making your feed infinite which directly goes against the thing they launched two years ago to show you the end of your feed to be like hey step away from instagram for a bit it's just it seems desperate to me so this just started up started showing up on my feed like yeah 
a day or two ago, and it infuriates the heck out of me <laughs> because, first of all, I don't care about any of the, this other yeah, content. I yeah. very carefully limit who I follow, and I mute everyone that I don't yeah. want to see things from so that my feed is exactly what I want it to be. And they've tried this before. I yeah. have had my feed interrupted by suggested posts from people I don't want before. And then they're just going back and forth on this. It's very annoying. I'm like, I don't need this infinite feed. My, my feed's already pretty infinite. I just go back right. and see older stuff from people. But right. I feel like with everything that Instagram has done, like when it tuned its algorithm to show things that it thinks are more relevant rather than chronologically like mm-hmm. a few years ago god people are just gonna ha- i guess get used to it i don't know i hope that they just remove it sure I've, sure they won't I've, they won't because they have to make money like that's the thing they, they have to I make mean, money i'm looking at the ads i'm buying yeah. stuff off of instagram but what ads if you could already? look at more ads shirlyn oh, more ads what if you could just always scroll and always be seeing ads what if you were a little guinea pig constantly no. feeding money to what? facebook that what I'm be going better, to do, right? what I'm going to do, and what I suggest people do, I don't know if this is actually uh-huh. a good idea, but anytime I see like so-called the end of my feed and then yep. like the suggested posts come up, I just close the app. I'm like hard close, rage quit, bye, like rage table quit, flip, rage quit. gone. And I feel like if I do this enough that they might know that user <laughs> engagement is down and whatever, like if if you didn't serve me suggested posts, I'll stay on your app for longer. But now sure, that you're showing sure. me this kind of crap in my feed. I'm leaving. And Trillin wants to be the big drop in the ocean of Facebook users. So, I, I mean, go I'm for it. Important. Protest, protest <laughs> in, in certain ways. I, I want to say, yeah. <laughs> Reels is hilarious because I just don't, they've launched it and I can't tell the difference between that and stories. And it's I really hard. To, yeah. So both, um, so Carissa Bell and Engadget wrote up Reels and then Nicole Lee Nicole. talked, yeah, talked about the experience. They both wrote about it. Um, yeah. But Nicole talked about her experiences and she thought it was like perfectly fine. But the thing I hear from a lot of people, and Carissa talked about that with us too, is it's very confusing. It's very confusing. Yes. There's too to many use, things. Too many things. It's hard to navigate compared to TikTok, which is just like you open an app and you yep. see fun videos and you keep scrolling, you see more fun videos. And the app is smart enough to learn what fun videos you like yep. and feeds you more of them. Like that is ultimately what Facebook is competing against and they can't mm-hmm. quite do it. So they're I so desperate, man. It, it is. It's it, Instagram's trying to be everything and it's trying yeah. to beat everyone. And I will say that we had similar feels when Instagram launched stories, right? Sure. The obvious Which was Snapchat. competitor. Yeah. Right. And back then we were like, eh, then like this row of things at the top of my thing. Now I think people watch stories more than they do actually post to grids. So sure. I will say I think that Instagram has the benefit of having this huge user base that will eventually adopt whatever they, you know, implement. But I still, I mean, I still find, I mean, maybe it's crazy. I'm old. I find no. it's a little. <laughs> you, you remember, you remember history too, because it's like, yeah. what's funny is that Facebook has basically become the windows of social networks where Facebook proper is just like this this monster of just features oh, and things and a crappy interface and everything interconnected. And then they're doing the same thing with Instagram where it's just trying to be everything. Meanwhile, the nimble new, uh, you know, innovative apps and startups and stuff can do just like one thing. Clearly yeah. TikTok is building on what was great about Vine, like just instantly accessible, you know, entertaining videos and also an easy ability to create them and an easy ability to right. sync them up to music. Um, right. I've been hear, sitting a little yeah. through more TikTok now, so I, like I can feel like I'm getting a sense of it. Oh but no! What is crazy is that they the algorithm is dangerous. Like the TikTok algorithm is so good, it may be too good. And yeah. what we're seeing is Facebook really scrambling to fight against that. 
I've noticed that too. Like I go, I'm good at just jumping in and out. Like what's going on TikTok, jump in and out. Maybe I get linked from Twitter or something. What Mm -hmm. I do like is seeing TikTok videos in Twitter because I can really control my Twitter experience. But when my wife launches TikTok. She's there for hours. She is just there, just (laughs) scrolling. I'm like, oh, this is bad. And then also Sophia, our daughter is just hanging around and she will like come over and say, hey, what's going on? And then she will just be like engulfed. In the TikTok. And then she's learned to swipe up, up, more, more. I'm like, oh, no, this is bad. (laughs) This is the way we, you know, fall as a civilization. So TikTok is good, but it's probably too good. I think that's the the real issue. And Facebook (laughs) doesn't know how to compete against that. Well, we'll see, right, what happens when this buyout of the U.S. side of TikTok operations does <sighs> to the app, whether it yeah. kills that spirit, whether it maintains it and they become a good competitor to Instagram Reels. And, you know, I will say, like, you, to your point, one of the good things about TikTok that I keep hearing people call out is the video editing tools. Um, and it would be nice to see some of those tools in other apps, but I just don't know how much of this is flat out copying and how much of this is just talk about anti-competitive right like we're on one yeah. hand this country is trying to squeeze copying. tiktok down yeah. yeah and then on the other hand you've got huge american companies like copying ideas so yeah i don't know maybe the american president a... shouldn't be involved in this <laughs> oh, whole thing I don't, I don't know i don't know now let's move on to what we've been working on um i think i've actually mentioned last week that i'm working on a gaming laptop guide still trucking on that it is a very <laughs> long thing because a lot of it is like what kind of screen do you want? What kind of processor do you want? There, Compared to when I wrote this two years ago, things are a lot more complicated. So mm. keep an eye out for that. We'll certainly be talking about it here on the show soon too. But it's been a good year for gaming laptops. So I think that's good. And not quite working on, but something I have been playing with <laughs> is TCL's new 8 Series Mini LED TV. And this is just like a personal thing. Like I just bought this over the weekend because... Moved to a new house. Um, My space is completely different than when I was in a cramped Brooklyn apartment. Uh, So all of a sudden, like my 55-inch OLED, very nice TV, couldn't quite cut it. Mm. I needed something a little bigger, at least for like the family room, to sit and watch movies and stuff. So I went for this uh, TV. It's on sale. And I think we actually linked to a Best Buy sale because it was half off compared to what it launched at. It launched at $2,000 to be a premium set. It is now going for 1000 bucks. For the 65 inch, that's pretty good. Pretty good. It's actually more expensive than most other TCL sets because you can get like the six series for 700 or 800 bucks, right? So I was surprised it cost that much. I was like, TCL, 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 actually, and now the biggest TV manufacturer in the world, uh, basically is going high end with the set. I just want to say it is very impressive what they've managed to do. So mini LED is a really interesting technology. We're seeing uh, it's going to be in a lot of monitors and TVs upcoming, but TCL is one of the first companies to do it. And basically it uses a lot of uh, background LEDs uh, behind the screen to light up what you're seeing. And compared to a typical LCD, which may only have maybe a dozen or a couple dozen lighting zones, uh, mini LED can have potentially thousands. And to be clear, this is not micro LED, which is even further and takes that concept even bigger and is an even ma- more major competitor to OLED. Micro LED is what we've seen with Samsung's wall TV stuff uh, for the past few years. Shout out to the 8 Series TCL TV. I'm really digging it. It's a good deal. And if you can get it on sale, um, you know, uh, check check out our deal link about that because I think it's a pretty solid deal for that price. What have you been working on, Sherlyn? I... Finally, always, always with the things I can't talk about. I'm a very bad secret keeper. But let's talk about <laughs> what I 
can talk about first. Okay. Uh, last week after the we recorded the podcast, the uh, reports came out that the USPS was retiring mail sorting machines. And Friday mornings are my news jam shifts. So <laughs> I was there to help out with like this breaking news story. And I wrote a piece about that. It was Vice and Vice's tech vertical motherboard had come across or found internal documents that said that up to 502 mail sorting machines were being removed ahead Ugh. of... And then we know the timing is interesting because the elections are coming up and a lot mm-hmm. of people are expected to Timing is really voting. interesting. Huh. I wonder <laughs> I wonder why this about, is happening. And let's huh. talk about the timing a little bit more too, because yeah. the postmaster general that's currently in office, mm-hmm. Louis Louis DeJoy, I think DeJoy, is how you yeah. pronounce his name. And uh he just took the post in June. And mm-hmm. he, you know, gave an opening. A guy who actively post- worked against the post office in his professional life. Yeah. Is now uh, okay. Yeah. I, d- I didn't know his history that way, but I know that he has a good work a relationship with Donald Trump. So Surprise, for me, yeah. when I was, and I want to give you guys a bit of behind the scenes here. When I was working and writing the story, I wanted to be very careful not to point fingers or do anything that's making accusations that I didn't know anything about. So all I did with that story is to pull things from statements that he'd already made in public, like his opening remarks to the board of governors for the USPS. And he himself admits that he does have a good working relationship with Trump. I, and he, but he does also point out that like he would not do anything at the direction of the president that would harm the post office and all of that stuff. Um, You can read the article for like, I I forget if the Trump statement came after this article or along the same time, but Trump like straight out said like, we are doing this to slow down the mail. It was after. It was after. We're doing this um, to... <laughs> yeah. Listen, when, so... I, when a crook is lying, <laughs> you know, listen to what they're saying. But yeah. What happened uh, this week then was, I think yesterday or the day before, uh, Louis DeJoy then announced that they're going to stop some of these measures that they had put in, or they had started, like retiring the mail um, sorting machines and removing some of these post boxes that we've been seeing being removed mm-hmm. um, until the election yeah. is over. So that's what he's saying. And uh, that in Jess Condit's uh, story about that, you know, I think she also points out to what President Trump had earlier said that, yes, we're going to try to slow down the USPS. And and that's very concerning. I think um, for me, it was a a crash course in both the USPS's history and its role in America, as well as US politics really quickly, just because like, I had to turn this article around in like an hour or less. And then I had to like learn so many things because like I don't generally, I didn't know as, as much about the USPS until I did now. So anyway, that's what I worked on last week. And then this week I was working on an embargo that just broke <laughs> this morning at 11 a.m. <laughs> Google has released a set of updates to the Pixel Buds. And if you recall, the Pixel Buds were released in April this year. Um, we're talking about this year's model, not the 2017 model. And this set of updates brings about four different uh, sets of tools. Uh, we've got transcribe mode in the conversation translate feature, wherein you used to have to like press a button on the phone or the butt to like hear what the other person is saying, let go, and then have Google translate it back into your ear for you. Now transcribe mode just lets it happen more or less in real time. But it kind it's for long like as the person is speaking, it it will transcribe what they're saying in your language back to you. Uh, I believe there will be a slight delay at the very least, mm-hmm. but it's as close as we're getting to real time translating That's devices. Cool. I want this is, to be a thing, yeah. And so far, it's launching just for four languages: um, French, German, Spanish, and Italian. Uh, can be translated to 
English right now. Uh, so that's still kind of a limited yeah. set, but they're working just in on time it. for us to travel around the world. Right. right, I know. I'm. That's why I couldn't test this feature very well too, because those four aren't languages that I speak, and I could find someone who speaks Spanish to talk to me, but it it just was the wrong order, if I'm not mm -hmm. wrong too. So anyway, is, is this, by the way, because I remember Google was saying something similar with the first yeah. Pixel Buds. Yeah. Is this so the this, thing we've really been waiting for? Well, I I haven't been able to try it because a I, the the feature didn't roll out to me in time. B um, mm -hmm. the original feature that was already on the 2017 model of the Pixel Buds was kind of wonky. So I will really have <laughs> yeah. to try it out now to feel, I mean, I know that Billy Steele, our audio reviewer in his review of this year's Pixel Buds said that the feature works uh, back then without the update. So now we're just gonna have to put it through its paces again to see if it'll work and stay tuned either like to Engadget.com for an update or we'll be able to share our impressions next time we talk to you. There's all the other things like you can disable touch controls. The assistant is a lot smarter on these things. You can share your earbuds with friends because we're doing that a lot nowadays. But if you share one, let's say for example, I have two butts, right, Dev? And I give you one. Mm -hmm. um, you can swipe up and down on your butt to control your volume on that butt, whereas cool. I will only adjust mine on my butt. So I think that's pretty cool too. Um, and yeah, find my find my buds got a little bit better. You can see a map of where it was last known. So if you're like Devendra and you keep losing your buds, yeah, now this will help Listen, you. Listen, we we're not losing <laughs> anything now because we're not leaving our home. Everything's so. at home. Well. Everything's at home. But yeah, uh, plenty to work on and plenty to come. So you know, we the work never stops here at Engadget. Work but never we'll, stops. Yeah, we'll find time to relax. <laughs> Speaking of relaxing, fun things, let's talk about our pop culture picks. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to mention a couple of things that I've been watching. Surprisingly enough, I don't typically watch DC TV shows, but I've been spending some time on HBO Max just seeing what's around. And a lot of my friends have been talking about Doom Patrol, which is a series that originally premiered on DC Universe, I believe, two year, or last year. And now it's on HBO Max. Uh, this show is wild. And I kind of oh, yeah? love it because it's a great spin on the standard like superhero, you know, group of people uh, ready to fight the world with an old guy, you know, in charge and everything. This is a show about losers. It's about superhero losers who are all basically outcasts. Like they're not cool like the X-Men. Uh, they're not like, you know, sexy muscle bound characters. Like they're losers who've lost in life and they're living lives of regret in this old house because the entire world hates them and i think that concept is really interesting also it it just stars a whole bunch of people i love alan tudyk uh from firefly is the super villain and he also narrates the first episode um his super villain voice is so good it's amazing like and i love seeing him and everything it stars brendan fraser as a robot man. Oh, and I back. miss I miss Brendan Fraser. I like, was I love wondering this where guy. he's been. Well, he broke his back. That's oh, where yeah, he's okay. been. Uh the Mummy Three, I believe, was a torturous Oof. shoot for him. And Oof. there's a great story about that, about how, like how the, it will probably make you cry, but there was a great retrospective oh, no. on his career and his life uh, that was published, I think, last year or a couple years ago. I so check that, that out. Yeah, He is very good, and he is a robot man who's sad because his entire family died, uh, mm. probably because of him, too. Uh, Matt Bomer from Chuck. Oh, I Everybody love Matt Bomer. I love oh. Matt Bomer. You will not see ba Matt Bomer's beautiful face in the no. show because it's covered in bandages because no. he is an energy being or something. Like uh, he, he was a former astronaut who was sent into space and encountered an energy being. And I think it like discorporated, uncorporated his body or something. What? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Timothy oh. Dalton 
the one of the more like uh, I think unloved James Bonds, but Timothy Dalton is the Professor X in the show. Mm. He's the old guy in a wheelchair who um, you know is trying to re like help these people get back to having a normal life. And I think it's it's really cool. It's the characters are great. I love the actors. Uh, April Bowlby, who's been a, in a bunch of shows, plays this like Elastigirl character, kind mm. of like um, from The Incredibles, except except the powers never work the way you want. So her oh, no. powers is um she loses all like uh bone structure oh. in her body like she becomes a blob her face just starts melting her body just starts fun. melting that's uh-huh. how she's elastic so <laughs> they all have powers in a sense or like super super features but they're not like necessarily useful so i just kind of love it um i love misfit shows i love shows about like losers who can never quite win so actually just like firefly just like cowboy bebop Worth checking out. I love this show so much. It is weird. Be prepared for a lot of weirdness, but I love that about it. And also on HBO Max is the Harley Quinn show that was also on DC Universe. And hey, by the way, also stars Alan Tudyk, or at least co-stars Alan Tudyk, because he's the new voice of the Joker. And I, man, Alan Tudyk's bad guy voice. I love it so much. Hmm. Great cast in the show. It is a fun, irreverent take on Harley Quinn. Very similar to Birds of Prey the movie that came out because it's about her like trying to strike out on her own and find her new life. But it's a, it's an R rated cartoon <laughs> with a lot of the like irreverence and humor from the venture brothers, except with actual DC characters. Um, mm-hmm. So, Hey, that's worth checking out. I think you will like both of these things. Sherlyn. Also, also doom patrol is also very R rated. So watch out if you're watching it with kids, real naked people, real swearing. So, Hey, it's a, both things are very fun. You know how they're to on sell HBO me. Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Check them out. I and also, I know Shirtland has been desperate for more superheroes ever since we, uh, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is on hiatus. So, hey, check yes. this out. It is better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., both of them. Well, okay. So, yes, everyone who has seen this podcast before knows that I've been catching yeah. up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it was fun to get this t- message from Devendra out of nowhere on a Saturday. Be like, go watch Doom Patrol and Harley Quinn. I was like, yeah. I think Doom it was like Patrol 1130 p.m. And I knew yeah, you were up like, watching garbage like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I, I had to warn Agents you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I was like, yes, Doom Patrol is definitely on my list. And now that I've seen the trailer a bit more or some of the footage, I definitely think it looks very interesting. Now, mm-hmm. my surprise for you, Dev, oh boy. my recommendation I think you're going to get mad at me when I say this. I'm ready. If only because you've wanted to recommend this, I think. So it's Lovecraft Country. Oh, nice. And it was, I've been, I wanted to recommend this last week because I just was so hype on the trailer. And I was like, everyone should watch this. <laughs> you but can't like, you recommend the trailer, but yeah. yes. I was like, cool down, like calm down, watch the first yeah. episode before you talk about it. And I did because it just released last Sunday. And it's so, I mean, okay. It was like an hour and 15 minutes long. And it really only started to get really full-on intriguing for me in the science fiction area uh, about an hour in. We're so like fantasy a, horror, right? Yeah. It's fantasy horror. And the the premise is this is, I don't know exactly which time period, but it's um, based on like slightly historical America mm-hmm. where there's mm-hmm. still like segregation. There's still a lot of like racial injustice. And the first half-ish of the show um, or even three quarters of this episode mm-hmm. was about how it sucks to be a black person in that time in America. And honestly, yeah. like it just made me very angry the whole time because I was just like, these people are awful to our main characters mm-hmm. who are, uh, you know, black men, women living in this America. So if, I mean, it's very relevant to what's going on in our world today, but also there are like enough bits and pieces in there of science fiction rumblings throughout the first 45 minutes or so yeah. that will keep you intrigued. Um, but yeah, the action really picks up 
around the last 15 20 minutes and that's when it's like holy crap this show i was like i i know that my biggest takeaway is i can't wait to watch the next episode yeah and yep. that to me is a good sign right and i've it's been very l- yeah. let me just say Sherlyn, like i've been super excited for the show it's been so busy that i haven't even had time to watch it and if you listen to my last <laughs> me on the slash film cast there's a great segment where we basically devolve into two minutes of absolute silence and laughter because one of my co-hosts decided to preview the show without me so you could go check oh that boy. out oh it, boy that was i will never forgive him for that netflix uh, cheated on you yeah the thing to, <laughs> the thing that's really interesting too about the show is that it is it is a black narrative that is yeah. about you know a hp lovecraft mythology yes so good lovecraft oh my god notorious notorious racist I- like raging raging races so i love seeing like you know narratives kind of get retold in this and way then kind of owning head, it yeah. and turn yeah, it's, yeah it's so far very intriguing because the yeah the main character is someone who loves lovecraft's books and is like you know looking for them and has yeah. a history with some of these uh books or maybe even lovecraft himself i don't know yet mm. because it's only the first episode so <laughs> i don't have any spoilers to share i literally don't have I'm excited. them I, I, it was really good. Um, so yeah, check it out if you have time. The new episodes, uh, new episodes are on Sunday. So I know what I'm doing this Sunday. I'm going to see what <laughs> happened to these people. The other thing I wanted to recommend, uh-huh. I know that this is typically built or recently have been built to be our pop culture picks, but I have in the past or in the life of this show recommended things like food or skincare products. <laughs> yeah, okay. This week, just in case Devendra uh-huh. beat me to the punch with Lovecraft Country, I decided mm. to prep something else, and I'm going to recommend my favorite brand of oat milk. <laughs> because I'm gonna, everyone I have to should step try away. oat milk. Really? Why? I have to Do leave you the not? show right now. <laughs> please, please, go with your oat milk commercial. I'm just going to say, I've done a lot of weird, <laughs> like, I don't know why I'm a reviewer in my private or personal life as well, but I have reviewed a lot of different brands <laughs> of oat milk. I've tried them all. Well, the big ones anyway, Oatly, Planet Oat, and uh, Chobani Oat Milk. And my first ever taste of oat milk was Chobani Oat Milk. And <laughs> it was great. I, it was delicious. And then I tried Oatly, which is like the raining, like everyone's like hype about Oatly. Oatly is good, but it's got a very different gummy texture. And then Planet Oat is the biggest selling brand in the US. And then their taste is just not that great. So anyway, if you've been considering switching to a plant-based milk and don't like soy milk, almond milk, or whatever the hell other milks there might be out there, oat milk's really good. It's really tasty. It's like the nutrition, the, the nutritional profile is a little bit different. They're higher in calories than say almond milk is. But if you're looking just to go dairy-free, I think oat milk's great. And start with Chopani oat milk because that's my favorite and you will like it. <laughs> Oatly's good wow. too, but you know, uh, this was not an Thank ad. You. This was just... Thank you. Thank you for Oat Milk Corner. Oat we'll just call corner. this Oat Really. Oat no, no, really? this is this is Sherlyn Loat Milk, which is oh. my current Twitter handle. Uh, we're done. We're done. And that's week for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. Also, also, reviving my Legend of Korra podcast, (laughs) Republic City Dispatch. Um, I'm joining in with some of my, 
you know, friends and podcasting titan co-hosts, uh, including Joanna Robinson and Dave Gonzalez, Matt Patches from Polygon. Um, search Republic City Dispatch on Google because it's uh, the location's all over the place. But if you find us on your iTunes client or wherever, you'll find the new episode. We are going over every season of Korra. Also, go watch Legend of Korra. It is now on Netflix alongside Avatar, The Last Airbender. There we go. Yeah. If you need more hot takes from the land of oat milk and plant-based eating, which I'm starting to try, uh, you can find me at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcastedengadget.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes because it'll help us a lot. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. So the thing that you were talking about where I was writing on the lock screen is called screen off memo and screen off memo, like whatever you scribble, like I just wrote oat milk just now.